What up, what up, what up? Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Petty Herbalist Podcast. <laughs> it's your girl, Karina. And she's here with Asia. Um, and today we are starting a new series. We see that y'all are drinking a lot less water and a lot more infusion. Yay, congrats. <laughs> Good work, people. <laughs> yes. And now we are going to begin a series on meat as medicine. Um, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. So before we get started in that conversation, um, yeah, let's let's check in, babe. What's what's good? What's what's in your medicine bag? Well, there's been plenty of medicine in the bag, but um, because you know I stay in my bag. But um, today's medicine bag um is linden infusion. Um, I've been adding a lot of linden like I've been doing like linden every infusion every other infusion because I have so much of it and um you know my knees (laughs) are not (laughs) listen I'm 30 years old these knees don't act like they used to so um working with linden to um kind of work through some of the inflammation that um that my knees got So um, by being old and active in all the ways that I have been in the past. So um, yeah, and just, I just love Lyndon. Um, I love that she's a little thick. And um, yeah, it's pretty simple today. Um, What about you, Asia? What's in your medicine bag today? You know, uh, Hawthorne is still in my medicine bag. Um, I'm really exploring um, the heart as the seat of consciousness Mm. um, and getting into um, coherence. I have a cool device that measures my HRV, my heart rate variability. and I, me- I, I measure that throughout my, my meditation practice and, um, you know, the Hawthorne sort of helping to create more coherence in my world and, and to open up my heart. Um, my, heart mm-hmm. my heart be hurting. I'd be like all tense and, and mean, honestly. And mm-hmm. uh, when when my heart is open and my palms are open, my world looks a lot differently. And so, um, you know, my apprenticeship with with Hawthorne is going to be lifelong. Um, mm. There are a few herbs who who are my A one since day ones, and I learn. <laughs> I'm gonna learn more about them. Uh, a lot of us think we need like an external kind of teacher. Um, and teachers are really, really great, but the best teacher um, are the plants themselves. And by working with them consistently and listening to their teachings, we are able to grow in our power and in our relationship. And so um, mm. I'm still working with Lyndon. I put some uh, Lyndon tincture in my, <laughs> in my, um, 
my little water system so that the the air in my bedroom is also linden um, mm. my humidifier so or sorry not linden hawthorne mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's hawthorne's still in my medicine i'm we're just I love that. we're going in <laughs> <laughs> yeah we love creating deep relationships with the yes. herbs yes and learning from them learning how to be through working with them because they've been here for a long time oh so much longer than us we're so Mm -hmm. new on the scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) they're the best ancestors yes i love Mm. our plant ancestors truly i love that asia yeah let's get into it me is medicine yeah what do we mean by me as medicine are we talking about diet are we talking about relationship are we talking about all of the above like what is it that we're getting into today yeah so we are really going to talk about our relationship to meat um as herbalists and and what that means what our worldview is um and we're going to tip into some other worldviews as well and start to think about like how we as folks who facilitate healing, um, how we deal with this conversation of, of animal. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, we are going to start off today just talking a little bit about um, some, some, political, some political history of meat. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, share. Uh, last night, I went to a beautiful talk with Chef Bryant Terry, um, who has written a lot of books, um, uh, like Vegan Soul, and um, just really great books for folks, for Black folks, and trying to introduce Black folks to the concept of veganism. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, the songs that brought him into food consciousness was a song called Beef by KRS-One. And uh, I wanted to you going to wrap that to us, Asia? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap. <clears throat> uh, 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 uh. Okay. <laughs> it goes, beef, what a relief. When will this poisonous product cease? This is another public service announcement. You can believe it or you can doubt it. Let us begin now with the cow, the way it gets to your plate and how the cow doesn't grow fast enough for man. So through his greed, he makes a faster plan. He has drugs to make the cow grow quicker through the streets or through all the stress, the cow gets sicker, 21 different drugs are pumped into the cow in one big lump so just before it starts to die it cries in the slaughterhouse full of germs and flies and there's more but that's enough for today yay good job and so I wanted yes a plus so that's you know beef by KRS one you can listen to it again if you want uh on your local youtube or spotify and why I wanted to to honor that song and honor Chef Bryant Terry is because I wanted to situate this conversation about meat within the uh, industrial food environment in which we mm. live. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, We are a late stage capitalist society. The vast majority of people who live in our country have no relationship to land, no relationship to the production of food. And Mm -hmm. in our society, uh, food, particularly America, has been shaped uh, by plantation philosophy. Donna Haraway would call it Uh, the plantation of scene. And uh, as an African American woman, uh, I know very much what it is to be treated as cattle um, and to be forced into reproduction and to live in uh, subpar conditions and to to be enslaved. Um, And so I want to name that this worldview of the plantation has been not only applied to human beings, it is applied to our labor force now, which uh, is still wage slavery. It's been applied Mm -hmm. to our animals who are also produced on plantations, like, uh, like, like factory farms. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it also, it also encompasses all of our vegetables and how vegetables are produced as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do want to situate our conversation about meat um, within the reality of, of what most of us are dealing with. And a lot of the meat that we come into contact with uh, is the kind of meat, des- you know, described by KRS-One and the kind of meat that has caused there to be um, movements against the uh, um, movements against you know, meat and food processing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And I wanted to uh, give a nod to uh, the way in which animal welfare has been embedded into conscious Black thought. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, thank you, first of all, for your rap, Asia. That was uh... (laughs) a... Y'all, Asia's a poet, and so um, this is natural for her, so just want to put that out there. And um, But yeah, thanks for that. Um, it's true. I think that people calling out the industry benefits everybody, and um, also it forces us to think about how to connect back with animals. And so I guess that would be my first question in this situation is if this is the current situation, how do we create relationships with animals again so that they can be our medicine? Um, they're they're going to be our medicine no matter what, because um, what their meat produces is whole, like it nourishes our bodies. So how do we get back into relationship with animals? Um, because for me, it, it's problematic to get rid of meat altogether because it's been produced in the system. Because I feel like I would have to be consistent in that and I would have to throw out vegetables as well because they're produced in a really unsustainable way. So yeah, my question is, how do we get back into relationship with these animals so that we feel better about them being our medicine and that they're cared for better so they can be more nutritional for our bodies? Yeah, so 
I want to um, first deconstruct diet culture, which uh, that KRS-One song said that it like beef was poison. Mm. I'm just going to name that no matter how many pharmaceuticals are living in your body, you are still God. Oh, come so on. To come for <laughs> meat that has been that has hormones or whatever and to call it toxic and poisonous. It's mm-hmm. it's so it's self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Right? Like y'all are eating worse food. <laughs> y'all are eating more <laughs> corn than the cow is, right? So yeah. So irrespective, um, irrespective of the way in which the cow was raised the cow is still god even if it's in and even if it's enslaved even if it's from a factory even mm. if it lived through all these terrible things like just a having i'm feeling really emotional like having yeah. a base respect for for whatever way the cow is it doesn't have to mm. be uh pure in order for it to Ooh. deserve our love into deserve our respect for so changing the language that we use around food calling it toxic and all of this rude stuff it like because we are animals too and Uh. in our society like we are exposed to toxins and environmental pollutants and hormones through birth control through all sorts of things and that doesn't make us we're not toxic Right. Yeah. That reminds me of the conversation around um, and we'll get back to you, but I just I'm thinking about how um, the studies have shown that breast milk is very toxic because we're very toxic, but it's still even though it's toxic, it's one of the most healthy thing for the baby. Mm-hmm. So even <laughs> like even us, even with us being in this toxic world like we are still sacred what we produce is still sacred so why would we think anything less of an animal yeah I just want to deconstruct the the purity politics that lives in calling meat poisonous at all like I don't like that it hurts my soul because because you can't separate um how you treat one animal from how you treat other animals. These, these worldviews leak into how we treat the whole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just getting back to your question about like, how do we like come into relationship? A, seeing everything as a divine manifestation of, you know, who it is that you believe in or what it is that you believe in. Mm-hmm. me the earth right <laughs> mm-hmm. um and then be like what is it like to be an actual relationship with these animals right like mm-hmm. um part of the difficulty in being in late stage capitalism is that we there is a veil um between us and the things that we consume and <clears throat> my grandpa would say that this veil uh creates what creates alienation um mm originally humans derived relationship and happiness and joy from a direct relationship with the things that they consumed Mm. right as we get separated from being primary producers there's a gap between the things that are consumed or the things that are created and then our consumption of those things and what lives in Mm. that gap is what's called the veil of capitalism Mm -hmm. and that veil 
has us feel alienated from the environment, alienated from the land and alienated from ourselves um, because we're no longer an active participant. So one of the ways I like to be in relationship to meat is um, I actually have a small flock of chickens. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And so, you know, bare minimum, right? Like uh, my bone broth is coming from uh, oftentimes the chickens that I have grown myself in, in my, in my backyard. My mama grows it. She's a chicken mama. <laughs> There's a small veil between me and the chickens. Cause you know, that's a lot. And, um, but so I have a direct relationship with those chickens, uh, with the eggs that I consume, and I know what those animals are eating. And so there's not a separation between us. I actually know them as beings who I consume. Mm-hmm. So one of the direct ways of having a relationship is through um, actually hunting, fishing, and tending our own animals. And when that's not available, um, the other way to have relationship is to, again, demystify that veil, right? Mm -hmm. How do we bring more clarity and the, uh, how do we bring more clarity in the process? And so another one way is by consuming animals that are locally grown in ways that are ethical to us. Um, And Mm -hmm. so participating in community supported agriculture or buying meat from animals of your land. I'm in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So I have a full amount of access to animals that are raised on pasture that are grass fed and finished um, and that are butchered ethically um, who have a good life. And so the animals that I eat uh, have a better life than you do. Truly, <laughs> truly. <laughs> they are not in front of a screen. They're outside. They're, you know, they're frolicking. They get fed <laughs> like multiple times a day, right? Like they're eating. So honestly, the animals that I eat have a better lifestyle than, than what I have. Um, mm-hmm. And that's another way of demystifying uh, that veil and decreasing my sense of alienation is by um, being in touch with the primary producers of my animals. I also have a, a raw milk share and mm-hmm. which means I own a part of the, the cows that I get milk from and I can go visit my cows <laughs> like mm-hmm. anytime. Uh, so I know who they are and, and that's my favorite way. What about, what about you? Um, how does your herbalism, Karina, inform your relationship to to meat and eating animals? Yeah, um, I think for me, understanding my place in the ecosystem helps me um, see how we're all in relationship with each other. It's not, there isn't separation between me or the fungi or viruses or the um, the animal like whatever types of animal insect like it's we live together and I provide this to you they produce that for that and then we are in a circle together so understanding that I am part of a system helps me um, yeah it helps me demystify what you like you said um this 
I am better than the other. This is better than that kind of thing. This is suitable for food. This is not. This is sentient. This is not. We're all sentient. Mm -hmm. If we're part of this system that provides different things for each other, different nutrients, Mm -hmm. um, then none of us are more sentient than the other. We're all we're all in this together, essentially. Mm. Everything I do affects something else, mm. someone else. So um, yeah, this is this is my herbalism practice. Um, so yeah, for me, um, I think what you said about purity culture, <laughs> like you didn't say purity culture, but like Um, I saw it as purity culture because I grew up in a really religious home and um, purity culture as it pertains to like sexuality like really fucked me up Mm -hmm. and so when you applied that to like how we see meat that is like that has like um, antibiotics and whatever um, that was produced on a factory farm or whatever like that that made me see it like that that like made me connect the two mm-hmm. and say like are we really seeing animals like they're unpure like they're not good enough mm-hmm. because they were in that situation and then it made me apply that to like our ancestors who were enslaved like those people weren't good enough because mm-hmm. the the products that they were producing was like you know what I'm saying was on a plantation and they weren't cared for so what they produced wasn't good enough like Mm -hmm. that all like (laughs) that really got me thinking Asia and so Mm -hmm. yeah for me I still go back to what I believe um what censors me is being in an ecosystem and being an active participant no matter like if I feel like participating or not I'm always a part of this system so that informs my belief and um, uh, me or animals have always been a part of my ancestors' food culture. So for me, it would be really difficult to um, separate meat from <laughs> my traditions from the past. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Oof, that really, that really hit my heart. I didn't think about like sexuality and purity culture and um when you shared that like our ancestors were also from plantations like are they not good enough and Mm -hmm. for a lot of black uh, conscious people who uh you know try to do something better than like actually what our ancestors produced wasn't good enough Mm-hmm. Um, I hear a lot of degradation of soul food and the way that it's talked about and like slave food comes up like people talk about like chitlins mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. stuff and they talk about it with such contempt and such shame that mm-hmm. we came from people who were enslaved um, mm-hmm. because somehow being enslaved was an act of making us impure like they really bought into the white supremacy narrative that 
people who are enslaved are impure, but also it, it goes into how we treat working class people, like people who work in restaurants or food service, like they're impure. Somehow mm. their labor is less valuable than someone who works in an office. Like anyone who touches the earth is often coded as impure, especially like mm. female body people who bleed, mm-hmm. right? we're coded in pure because of our relationship with the earth. And so um, I'm just really uh, struck by the depth of um, purity culture that's at play in conversations about meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to introduce that I find that these purity cultures are often compatible with cultures of white supremacy. Mm. Um, and that that is also a form of purity culture, uh, you it know, <laughs> white skin being clean and pure and high and dark skin being impure and dirty and low. And of course, like male, right, is also pure, right? And female mm. is like impure in the system. Um, and we, we take those same mental constructs and then they show up in everywhere. Like they Mm -hmm. show up in diet culture. They show up in our conversations about food. And in particular with food, um, I find that uh, there's this false hierarchy of human supremacy that I think you you got to deconstructing in your share about Mm -hmm. us living in an ecosystem, about us being intertwined and that Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a cycle in a circle of life, not a, not a pyramid, but what sort of food cultures, especially extreme diets, um, what they do is they create this this notion of supremacy based off of proximity to humans. And Mm. so anything that has eyes, right? We don't don't say, oh, I'm eating cow today. They say I'm eating beef, Right. right? The closer it looks to a human, then they try to like make it like it's you know <laughs> different right but right. once it gets to chickens chickens or birds so then it's like oh I'm eating chicken right right uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the further away from human then the more we're we're cognitively able to uh justify like our consumption and our like abuse of it and so like mm. you know this idea that plants or some so up at the top of the pyramid is the white male. <laughs> then you keep going down, black women, and then animals, right? And so we want to like protect animals, da 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 da. And then you got plants, right? Like at the bottom, and plants we can eat plants because plants are like lower on the chain, mm. right? Uh, plants they they don't have feelings, but like just going back to that KRS one, you know, he said the cow cries. Yeah, I don't know if cows cry, but he definitely <laughs> uh, humanized that cow, right? He anthropomorphized the cow, which you know, as an earth based person, like I anthropomize everything. But um, mm-hmm. anyways, that idea of trying to like elicit more uh, regard or concern based off of the cow's relationship to humanness, it's actually kind of problematic because what it does is that it creates this category of things that we shouldn't eat or things that are sanctified or things that are holy. And then another Mm -hmm. category of things that don't have feelings, things that aren't sentient, things that can be commoditized. And so 
that duality is a lie. And I find a lot of people who don't eat meat or animal products also rely on plants not having sentience. Like they will fight me when I tell them plants have feelings. (laughs) I said, why do you, why must you maintain this idea that plants don't have feelings? It's like, oh, because you want to justify eating plants. Right. <laughs> yeah. Versus animals. But it's, yeah. it's like, listen, if you've ever had orchids in your home, you know, plants have feelings. Because <laughs> Those bitches are like, mm, I don't like it here. I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> and like beyond that, like some of my favorite plant consciousness research is being done by Dr. Monica Gigliano. She just wrote a book called Thus Spoke the Plant. Mm-hmm. Um, doing some like awesome research on um, that plants do indeed have feelings, that plants learn really quickly, that plants are people. Like she, mm-hmm. I, I just, I love Uh, a lot of the research that's coming out, but I find that people who have these hierarchical based diets will reject the notion that plants are sentient because they don't want to be in touch with the fact that to be alive means that you are a murderer. Yeah. To live means mm -hmm. something else must die. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying that like, being with the plant will tell you the things because yeah a lot of people will reject that research but that's what take it on yourself go get an orchid go get like even though you know sometimes I feel way about house plants because sometimes I feel like they're it's a whole thing I have house plants though so I know um but uh yeah they will being in relationship with them will show you that they are sentient that like just the most minute changes in your environment will cause shifts in them Mm. and you'll see like if you place them in one area of your room versus another that has slightly more sun like their leaves will move like just things like that will help you understand their their sentience Mm. but um yeah be in relationship with the plants is that that will your, help you understand. Is that your, uh, you got a bougie auntie word of advice for the people, Karina? You know, actually, that might be it, Asia. You're right. Go get a plant. <laughs> Go get a house plant or get a seed, um, get a pot, get some, some dirt and uh, grow a plant. And that'll help you understand their sentience, as I mentioned before. Like, I've had plants for a couple years now like those ones will really teach you the things like there's some vines that I have that are about to they're like I I'm a head out (laughs) I've been doing this for too long (laughs) but um yeah so if y'all want to do that you can but if you don't believe in house plants because you think they're enslaved I I agree I still have them though (laughs) but um yeah so do what you want to do out there but yeah be in relationship with the plants so you can understand their sentience mm. what about you asia what is your bougie auntie word of advice yeah um you know what i'm gonna do 
I want to, to really write down all the things in my life that has caused me to be unpure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I might list the names of my sexual partners. Maybe there's like some residual uh, <laughs> shame that lives in my, like, I really want to, to center this conversation about our purity politics. I noticed tears coming up several times um, Mm -hmm. around these notions of purity and my you know my word of advice would be to like I want you to interrogate all the things that you that that make you feel unpure even in my herbal practice uh, Mm -hmm. people come to me like apologetic about the fact that they take pharmaceuticals and I have to always Mm -hmm. like correct that that taking pharmaceuticals does not make you less than ever like, why yeah. are you feeling guilty if this is working? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? that's why last week in our episode, I was like, yep, <laughs> what's in my medicine bag is ibuprofen. <laughs> I have pain and these herbs weren't working. So I moved up <laughs> and I escalated care to my girl ibuprofen, period. Yes, period. No shame. No shame. No shade. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I just want us to start interrogating how purity is currently playing off, playing up in our life. Like, are you impure because you spend a lot of time in front of your screen? Are you impure, right? Like, are you impure because you're fat, right? Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about, let's talk about purity. So that's, that's some of the work that I'm going to do because clearly there's still work to be done. Um, Mm -hmm. Always always. work to be done. Yeah. Well, love that. Ah, this was such a good episode. And don't worry, y'all. We have a couple more episodes that we are going to continue this series on me as medicine. Um, so stay tuned. But for now, thank y'all for your support. Continue to follow us on the Instagrams um, at Bones, Bugs, and Bonnie and at Petty Herbalist. And don't forget about the Patreons, both the um, patreon.com slash Bones, Bugs, and Botany to support Asia, her ministry. And also remember, she is writing that book and patreon.com slash Petty Herbalist to continue supporting this podcast. So thank y'all again, and we'll catch you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.